Every time I turn on the news, it seems like there's some new natural disaster threatening life and property. From earthquakes and monsoons to volcanoes and tornadoes, Mother Nature can be a cruel neighbor. These disasters aren't just in far-flung lands. They can even strike places like the heart of Boston. Like if you were around in 1919, you will have witnessed the Great Molasses Flood. That's, that's good voiceover work, Mike. Yeah, I'm going for drama today. The Great Molasses Flood occurred on January 15th, 1919, in the North End neighborhood of Boston, Massachusetts. On that fateful day, a large molasses storage tank burst and a wave of the hot, sticky, refined sugar substance rushed through the streets. For the sake of localization, molasses is known as black treacle in the United Kingdom. That name is way worse. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The wave of molasses was moving at an estimated 35 miles an hour as it poured out of the storage tank. 21 people were killed and 150 were injured. The disaster took place at the Purity Distilling Company facility. Who used fermented molasses to produce rum and other alcoholic beverages. Now it's important to know how large this tank actually was. It was some 50 feet tall, or 15 meters if you sound like Mike, and 90 feet in diameter. It contained as much as 2.3 million gallons of the substance. I would like to point out at this point, because you mention it a bunch and many other people do, we use feet here. It's, it's in the rest of Europe that use meters. Just FYI. It's all very confusing. We'll do a topic on that one day. Yeah, sure. There is a photo on the Wikipedia page which shows the tank towering over buildings in the neighborhood so you can get a sense of how huge this thing was. Yeah, I just imagined it like a vat like you see you know, in a distillery now, mm-hmm. but this thing was like a building. I mean, it's humongous. On January the 14th, the temperature in Boston rose quickly to the low 40 degrees after several days of being well below freezing. And again, for the sake of localization, that was 40 degrees Fahrenheit. At 12.30 p.m., the tank collapsed. As rivets shot out of the bands holding the tank together, witnesses say that the ground shook and a sound like a passing train filled the air. The collapse unleashed that 35-mile-per-hour wave of molasses, which at one point ended up reaching 25 feet in height at its peak. Jeez. Now, this wave, as you might imagine, packed quite a punch. It damaged a nearby elevated railway trestle, knocking cars off their tracks. Buildings were flattened as several blocks around the tank were flooded with two to three feet of warm molasses. It almost feels like some kind of Spider-Man villain. Like, eventually, the molasses <laughs> was just going to turn into, like, a semi-human form and take down the rest of the Molasses man. Yeah, molasses man. Everybody's the stickiest customer that uh, <laughs> Spider-Man ever came across. People were swept off their feet by this real wave of molasses and pinned down by the heavy goo. A truck was pushed into the nearby Boston Harbor. The wounded included people, horses, and dogs, and coughing fits became one of the most common ailments for those who survived. A Boston Post article from the time painted a grim picture. I'll read a little quote for you. Molasses, waist-deep, covered the street and swirled and bubbled about the wreckage. Here and there struggled a form. Whether it was animal or human being was impossible to tell. Only an upheaval, a thrashing about in the sticky mass, showed where any life was. Horses died like so many flies on sticky flypaper. The more they struggled, the deeper in the mess they were ensnared. Human beings, men and women, suffered likewise. That's horrific. I know, why do they have to write it like that? 
I mean, obviously it was terrible, but that just makes it sound, I think, even more worse. I don't know. Ugh, not good. Uh, let's take a break from the, the horror and thank FreshBooks for supporting this show. If you feel like you're stuck trying to get paid, like you're having to pull yourself through the mess that is invoicing, you need FreshBooks. They are built to work the way that you do. FreshBooks helps empower those of us who work online to get invoicing done quickly. Every time you log in, you're going to see what needs your attention. And FreshBooks is beautifully designed, as will be the invoices that you send out. Find out more and try out FreshBooks for 30 days by going to freshbooks.com slash ungeniest and entering ungeniest in the How You Heard About Us section. Thank you so much to FreshBooks for their support. Now, on that day in January, the USS Nantucket, a training ship from the Massachusetts Nautical School, was docked nearby. 116 cadets, under the direction of Lieutenant Commander H.J. Copeland, ran several blocks toward the disaster. As they waded into the knee-deep molasses to pull survivors out, the Boston police, Red Cross, the Army, and other Navy personnel arrived to help. Many responders worked through the night looking for survivors and pulling out bodies. The injured were so numerous that doctors and surgeons set up a makeshift hospital in a nearby building. Four days passed before they stopped searching for victims. Many bodies were hard to identify as they were heavily encased in molasses. Total cleanup of the surrounding area took upwards of six months. Cleanup crews used salt water from a fireboat to wash away the molasses and used sand to try to absorb it. According to some reports, the harbor was brown until the summer. The molasses spread across the city as rescuers, construction workers, and more attracted into trains, streetcars, and even houses. In the weeks after the explosion, some 125 lawsuits were filed against the United States Industrial Alcohol Company, the parent company of the Purity Distilling Company. A class action lawsuit was also filed, a historic landmark in the state of Massachusetts. The company claimed that the tank had been blown up by anarchists, but the court found that the USIA was liable after three years of hearings. The company paid out $600,000 in out-of-court settlements. The families of those who were killed reportedly received around $7,000 per victim. Now, $7,000 in 1919 has the same buying power as $102,000 today. So, let's talk a little about what could have caused the tank to explode. It's believed that the tank was poorly built to begin with. In fact, the company had painted it brown to hide the leaking syrup, which neighbors would often come up and collect at night. Carbon dioxide may have raised the internal pressure of the tank beyond what it was designed to stand. The warmer weather would have only made this pressure higher. The initial failure occurred from a manhole cover near the base of the tank along a crack that may have been growing slowly over time. Since its construction, the tank had only been filled to capacity about eight times. This uneven use put the walls under an intermittent load which could have added to the stress of the structure. Now, history buffs may have noticed something special about the date. This event took place almost exactly one year before Prohibition took place here in the United States. Some believe that the Purity Distilling Company may have been cutting corners to outrace the pending legislation. In recent years, two investigations have been made into the events on January the 15th, 1919. I just love people are still working on this. You gotta. In 2014, engineers found that the steel used in the tank was only about half as thick as it should have been and was far too brittle for the application at hand. 
In 2016, a team of scientists and students at Harvard University conducted extensive inquiries into the disaster. They built a scale model of the neighborhood and flooded it with corn syrup, concluding that the high speeds reported were credible. I think they did this just for fun. (laughs) Moreover, this group found that the warmer weather would have reduced the viscosity of the fluid, making it move more freely. And as the substance spread, it would cool down, making it thicker and more sticky, and thus harder to escape. As many victims suffocated after being unable to free themselves from the fluid, this line of thinking resonated with the American Physical Society, who reviewed the report. Now, the tank was not rebuilt, and the area eventually became a train yard for Boston's light rail system. Today, this site is part of Langon Park, a city-run recreational complex. A small plaque marks the site and remembers those who were killed. Now, for some reason, I don't know why, this was our most requested topic via email. It's true. Yeah. I mean, looking through the, the inbox, more people wanted us to talk about this. I think I think you hinted at it, that it's so strange. It's so unusual. And there's a there's a sense of morbid comedy to it almost. And molasses seems like it wouldn't be dangerous and seems mm-hmm. kind of funny in a way. But you think about how much material we're talking about, the forces involved, and how many people were killed and injured. I mean, clearly it's a terrible story. I mean, it really is horrific. And I think that that juxtaposition makes it kind of a, a unique article. Yeah, I think when you hear about this, it's easy to conjure up the very vivid imagery, like imagining yeah. how such a thing would occur. Um, so I think that's why it sticks in people's brains and therefore is makes it very requested for me and you to dive into. No pun intended. Hmm. If you want to learn more about the Great Molasses Flood, you can find some links on our website, relay.fm slash ungenius slash 20. There you can get in touch. We already mentioned the email address. You can click an email link there and send us topics. We get topics every day. We have shows forever. So thank you for sending those in. Uh, you can also do so on Twitter. The show is at Ungeniust. You can find Mike there as I-M-Y-K-E. And you can find me there at I-S-M-H. And until our next weird article, Mike, say goodbye. Goodbye. Adios.